Hello and welcome to Edging on, Edging on, Edging on Multiplicity, a podcast where the president, vice president, and treasurer of the Ohio chapter of the Michael Keaton Fan Club convene once a week to discuss his 1996 masterpiece opus, Multiplicity, <laughs> in 10-minute increments. I am Sam. Uh, I'm Adam. And I'm Drew. And uh, you've probably already noticed uh, by a bit of our background audio, we're not actually recording in our studio this week. We have driven three hours to the nearest Ponderosa Steakhouse, still in operation, so that we could get some uh, real good ambience for the, and to kind of tie into the rest of the season. Yeah, and our apologies if we're a bit disappointed. You see, uh, we miscalculated the amount of time it would take to get to the Ponderosa. We were supposed to meet our surprise guest, Michael Keaton, here, but... It looks like uh, we were just got here too late. Yeah, we missed him. He left the note with the wait staff for us, and he let us know that he will never work with us again. So we're kind of bummed. So we're just going to sit down, enjoy a nice meal at Ponderosa Steakhouse. Like they say, when you're here, you're here. <laughs> and we're just going to, I guess we'll just pull someone aside who the first person that walks through that door. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, we need a guest. Yeah, it's the finale and all. Right, right. We don't want to let oh. him Hey, I'm sorry to interrupt whatever this bullshit is. Um, do you mind if I sit at your table? It seems like um, Ponderosa's packed. I actually was trying to go to a Perkins to meet a friend, but I guess there are no Perkins anymore. Our five star stage and screen. <laughs> oh, oh, it's always nice to meet a, a fan. Um, of course, we recognize uh, your face from your audio only podcasts. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah, well, yes, uh, thank you so much. I have a voice uh, like my face looks, so I'm um, pretty easy to put that together. Um, is that cool if I sit down? Yeah, please pull up a chair. Actually, it's recording okay. a podcast about a uh, multiplicity if you've ever seen it. Oh, I'm good. Thank you all so much. I'm joking. I'll stay. I'll stay. Oh, good man. Oh, thank Lord. <laughs> okay, can we at least treat you to a round of rolls for your trouble? A round of rules? of rules? I mean, not since my mother. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'll take a round of, a round of rolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rolls Those. to the table. They're complimentary, but I mean, we can, that's what all we can afford to treat you to. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, Water yeah, coming, yeah. too, if you're thirsty. Interesting. Yeah, I guess I should have, I see that you're recording your podcast on a um, uh, rabbit's foot taped to a straw as a microphone. <laughs> so Speak and spell under the table that we're using to record it on. Ooh, yeah, fancy standard. Yeah, very cool. That's what everyone's yeah, yeah using these days. Very cool. Let's get started. Let's jump into some discussion topics. We just finished the film last week, and this is the part of the the season where we try and break down what we just watched, what happened here, and why it happened. So, just for for an icebreaker, let's get started with some kind of discussion topics. I, I'd really like to talk about the rules of cloning in this movie because they mm. make no sense. Yeah, so it's basically if you clone, if you clone the original source, so for, for, for all sakes and purposes, we'll call that one. If you clone original one, patient one, um, each clone off of one is going to be a hyper-specific part of their personality. <laughs> yep. Yes. Either their aggression or their sensitivity, what have you. But if you clone any subsequent clone, let's call them two or three, then you are going to get pure runoff. You're going to get pure. Um, <laughs> you're going to get pure toxic waste. You're going to get a nice bit of comic relief that doesn't age well into 2021. I think yeah. clone the clone of the clone. At that point, you just get Michael Keaton's eyebrows. Ooh. But cloning in this world, it's amazing how they managed to introduce this world-altering concept. To the world of multiplicity that there's just commercially available clones 
and mm -hmm. only Michael Keaton and the doctor <laughs> have these clones and nobody else under knows that cloning exists in this world. Michael Keaton has done nothing to deserve the clones either. Yeah, it, it truly is. Yeah, it truly is the most of all the movies I've seen. And I've I used to work at a video store. I'm I consider myself a cinephile. I of all the movies I've seen, this is maybe one of the top ten most shoehorned in plot <laughs> premises. Mm -hmm. Of like the guy, the doctor sees him burst a pipe and is like, you know what? After me, he's the guy who gets clones next. Yeah, that guy. Not any, not any other scientist or doctor or like humanitarian or. <laughs> it's like this guy who had a pipe burst. He's the one. He's the chosen one, and it truly is like, how is the world should know about this before you before you grab a before you grab a contractor and <laughs> make his life a hell, maybe like talk to talk to HuffPo. Like just get it, get the news out there first. Like everyone should know. This this random construction contractor with anger issues who's destroying my facility. I can't help but notice. Were they doing some sort of experiments during the time that Michael Keaton was destroying their pipes? There there is a weird scene with a cage, like tons of cages of bunnies, and to me that's mine. Right? It was I think it was bunnies, right? It was something like that. He was yeah. either bunnies or really big mice. Yeah, because there's the woman where he's like, I don't pay you to stare at that woman's ass. And I think she's leaning over like a giant cage full of bunnies. So it is funny of like they show the bunnies to, to indicate like science tree, like <laughs> <laughs> things are happening, technology, do, 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 do. But it is weird of like, so you're telling me they were still testing on bunnies and yet they took a human to experiment on? Like, that's <laughs> wild. There was that point where the scientist says that he started out with worms <laughs> and then he jumped to humans and he's had one successful test with his own clone. So God bless you, Michael Keaton. You're gonna take a dive for science possibly. <laughs> yeah, the huge Maybe. jump from worm to man. <laughs> Obviously he was working on rabbits, like cloning rabbits, but rabbits are something that do not need help multiplying. I know that's an easy jump, oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh yeah. He Michael Keaton out of complete spite, <laughs> just in hopes it'll go wrong. <laughs> like he's a Slavic witch. Like, I'll grant your wish for a price. He's Baba Yaga. Uh, his whole lab was on, if you check, the whole lab is on chicken legs. I don't know if they pan down far enough. <laughs> that would explain why it disappears. It just walked away. Yeah, it just mm -hmm, never mm -hmm. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta be honest. I, my favorite movie of all time is Beetlejuice. Michael Keaton's one of my top three, top two favorite actors of all time. Um, I was so ready for one of his clones to just straight up be Beetlejuice. There is the the first clone, it does have a lot of Beetlejuice in him. He's very aggressive. He's, he slips into the voice every once in a while. That's sort of like, we've come for your daughter. Hey, come on. Hey, oh, oh, hey come on. Construction. Ah, I got it. Like, he does that voice a lot. So it is technically uh, dipping its toes in Beetlejuice, but I, I was hoping for a straight up Beetlejuice revelation. That would have been a really interesting Easter egg if they went in that direction. I think it obviously would not have saved the movie, but it would have been a nice <laughs> no. little thing to throw in there because this came out like what six, seven years after Beetlejuice. Oh dear, Beetlejuice was eighty-eight. I think this was ninety-six, ninety-seven, somewhere. Yeah. Like. yeah. So that, that would have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Michael Keaton's an actor with such a diverse log of roles that making clones that are references to his characters and kind of drawing that personality, I think that could be pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, clone number two was basically Beetlejuice. Clone number three is basically Mr. Mom. Yes. Uh, clone number four, I don't want to get into. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's also the aspect of the fact that it's mentioned multiple times that he pays for these clones. How much is he paying for these clones? He gets four that, of them, or he gets three clones. To the point that the other clones can buy more clones behind his back without him noticing. Yeah, they don't really, it's almost a John Wick situation where they don't really explain how anything's paid for. Like, have you guys seen John Wick? Yeah. In John Wick, it's like one coin gets you like, <laughs> uh, like gets an assassin to kill someone for you, but also the same one coin buys you like one old fashioned at the bar. And it's like, <laughs> what are these? We need something more than just <laughs> it's a really good the visual. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I better be. Um, but even at the end of the movie, when the clones take off, spoiler, where did they get the money for their car? Where did they get money to open up their own pizza's place? Like, how are they making income? Because I would think if you clone yourself, you're financially ruined because you have to feed <laughs> all these mouths. You have to, like, pay for their medical bills. You have to, I don't know. It seems uh, disastrous. Cover that. First no, time. no. What, what is flow from progressives commercial about progressives? Ability to cover my clones. <laughs> well, the clones, I guess, will have to have their own insurance. They'll have their own identification, apparently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In a wallet. That's where he puts the pizza. Yeah, yeah. He keeps his pizza in his wallet. How yeah. do you remember? I, I do remember that scene where he did put pizza in a wallet. Yeah. I'm very eager for your take, Adel. Are the clones yeah. circumcised? Oh. <laughs> um, that's a great question. I have to say... I have to think um, one of the three are, and I think we all know which one. Um, well, here's the thing. I think they are whatever Michael Keaton is, uh, which is probably circumcised, because Andy McDowell would have noticed, surely. That's a oh, good that's point. A good, yeah. I didn't even think about that. She <laughs> would have been like, wow, your foreskin grew back. That's <laughs> uh, come on. Since, come on. since 10 minutes ago. There is the scene in the bathroom where he uh, where he checks out clone, the first clone's hog at the urinals. And yeah, he raises his eyebrows as though something something's different. Something's clearly different. Yeah, he, he ganders on in awe. I, <laughs> yeah, pretty clear what the joke was. So there's got to be some size difference there. It seems like maybe as the clones with each subsequent clone, I think I don't know the medical term. I think um, if I were to attempt, uh, uh, if I were to make an attempt at um, medical jargon, I think it would be dick get bigger. I think with each subsequent clone, Dick get bigger because he definitely checks out his clone's hog. And then later he's like, hey, when you had sex with my wife, was it, uh, did she like it more? And the clone's like, I'm you. What are you talking about? He's like, yeah. oh, it was probably, she probably liked it more, right? Because the bigger digger, like it yeah. is, uh, it is very funny. Um, I also think they totally missed a note to Harold Ramis, who I believe wrote the whole movie. Yeah. They missed... Now that now that we're talking about it, they totally could have had a, um, hey, where's your four skin? And then somebody else be like, where's your three skin? Where's your two skin? Like they're <laughs> four clones. I mean, Ramus, come on, buddy. Yeah, he, he's uh he's definitely slipped after Ghostbusters two. That was kind of yeah. point where his writing style he just kind of got stale. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Other yeah. Than... Since Ghostbusters two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after that. I, not, not including like, Ghostbusters. I, I, will, I will defend Ghostbusters too. It's the same movie, but I will defend it. I, it's a great continuation. I enjoy it. That's why we keep. That's why we keep them on that side of the table. <laughs> did you? Did you guys notice? Um, this is Adam who just said he likes Ghostbusters too, right? Yep. Yes. Adam, did you notice that this movie is canonically set in the Busterverse? I did not know that. <laughs> Do you know, did you recognize the doctor? The doctor in this movie, as soon as I saw him, I was like, I know that guy. And I looked it up. 
the doctor is the judge in Ghostbusters 2 who goes, the Scolari brothers. Shit, <laughs> it is. Oh, my God. So, so clearly, when the Scolari brothers presented themselves uh, as ghosts um, that the judge had uh, sentenced to the chair, clearly he retired from being a judge, went into science, opened up this, um, this lab, and uh, is being, yep, being reckless ever since. What if he convicted the Scolari brothers to get their genetic data so that he could study it to learn cloning? Oh, shit. Or what if the Scolari brothers were just one dude and then he cloned them and then they <gasps> became brothers and turned murderous? This is a whole, I mean, this is a wild rabbit hole. The second clone. Rabbit hole, right? Right. The second clone. Not, not a wormhole? Whereas, like, Michael Keaton's first clone is, is more aggressive. The, the Scolari brother first clone is just a murderer. Mm, I like this. Put that, back, put that in your pizza wallet. I don't know about that. <laughs> put that in your Pepe and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> that part when he's like, my Pepe, I was like, this seems like a Tim and Eric sketch. Like my yeah. Pepe. I was like, oh God. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a sitcom. Just that one part. That what that sitcom are you watching? <laughs> no, just the, the fuck you. <laughs> it is it is wild to be like to to think of the people on set. Who are watching Michael Keaton improvise his clone four and just like being like, Yes, yes, he is nailing it. Like people just throwing <laughs> roses at them. Just, yeah. One of them has a jar of spaghetti sauce, and every time Michael Keaton <laughs> comes off stage, they just have to throw spaghetti sauce yeah. out of <laughs> it's all... Or someone's like, cut, cut, give him a glue gun. Go, Michael, go. <laughs> Like, come on, what were we doing? Uh, I'd love to see someone like someone working on the continuity of the film just getting the pizza sauce on his shirt just just right every time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I here's something I will say. I took a note of this and then I have something else to say. This is of all the movies I've seen in my life, I think I would rank this number one in set decoration. The house, the way everything is like kind of just like cheap and like askewed and like just uh, the, go back and watch it on mute purely for the set decoration. It is a masterpiece. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is I wish so bad. I wish with all my being when clone number four get, got hit on the head with a brick um, when they were doing construction. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. I wish to God when he got hit on the head with a brick, he suddenly would have become like the most refined of the clones. Like suddenly he was oh, like, that would have been we should get a, a foie gras torchon for the table. Like I wish... <laughs> Because I think then people could like breathe easy and be like, oh, thank, like, <laughs> thank goodness we can enjoy this movie now. The, the second greatest missed opportunity with the second clone or the fourth clone is, is when uh, uh, Laura comes to confront him about, the, about their failing marriage. If that scene would have been shot from behind, so you don't realize it's four until he turns around and says, <laughs> that would have been my favorite scene in the entire yeah, movie, I think. Been, really Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, that's. That's totally true, because the whole time you're like, oh, it's him. Like, uh-oh. Yeah, you're totally right. Hey, she touched my peppy, Steve. <laughs> I want to go back to Harold Ramis, because so much of this movie harkens back to Groundhog Day for me from uh, uh, Andy McDowell, of course, the obvious one, but also the magical realism being used to explore kind of domestic and interpersonal relationships. And it's just amazing how far Groundhog Day went with its premise and how multiplicity just forgets that it, <laughs> its premise exists and just does the most 
basic surface level things with it. it it feels so restricted in that way i get what you're saying like it's so focused on trying to make realistic scenarios and plausibility for cloning that they feel so restricted like they can't expand and make it whimsical kind of like groundhogs day did if that made sense not but just the fact that they they stick so close to a comfort zone of like based in reality more or less they really limit what they can do and it, it, it's kind of dull i agree with you in terms of uh groundhog day i think groundhog day shows a million miles more restraint because it no to me clone four would be as if creating clone four and playing in that realm is as if in groundhog day phil, phil had taken a gun and like shot all the children in town one cycle or something <laughs> or or where he was like i'm just going to drown all the children um <laughs> God. So I, I think I think Groundhog Day is such a better movie because it shows restraint and there's there's glimpses at darkness where like he gets in the truck and I think drives over the cliff and stuff, yeah. um, and and all his other problems. So I, I feel like there's glimpses of it, but it's never it never crosses that threshold where I, I feel like with multiplicity they're like let's just swing for the fences like, <laughs> and it landed in foul ter territory. So yeah, I think that would be my biggest. But I by, I wholeheartedly agree that there is that same sort of exploring adulthood through the lens of um magical realism i think that's i think that's really well put there's also i think the was the waitress from groundhog's day in this movie i think there's a few people like john cusack's sister pops up um otho from beetlejuice if you guys have seen beetlejuice the guy who plays otho yes. is, is the, yeah he's the construction kind of manager um who who uh, gets frustrated um there's a few other cameos and i i found out i read somewhere recently because i was looking up information on multiplicity that michael keaton was offered the role of bill murray's character in multiple in uh, groundhog's day and turned it down what i had no idea <laughs> come on i'm loving the same day <laughs> hey hey come on needle nose dead motherfucker come on yeah. <laughs> suck my dick <laughs> <laughs> like whoa whoa um, I, I have to, I'll pull you guys. To me, Michael Keaton is the most expressive actor of all time. Um, he can do more with his face than almost anyone, maybe maybe save Nick Cage. But I feel like he he, he gets his whole body into it, where I feel like he, he like leans back while gesticulating outwards, and then he leans forward while gesticulating inwards, and then he like reverses the two. Like that's his whole acting method is like, hey, come on, I don't, oh, come on. Do you guys do you guys feel like he's the most expressive actor of our generation? I think or a generation. I, I do definitely love him in this film. Like this, this was probably my my big introduction to Michael Keaton. I got this movie on Laserdisc and watched it for the first time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were talking about Michael Keaton stuff when we first started this season, and uh, we're talking about we're like, oh man, I wonder if he does like the Batman character. And Sim was like, Michael Keaton was Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that was when I was uh, a kid. I went to go see Batman, and then not too soon after I saw Beetlejuice, or maybe the the order was reversed. But I remember my mom being like, "Oh, it's this, your two favorite movies are the same guy," and I'm like, "Mom, you idiot! <laughs> but it's not the same guy." And then as I got older, I'm like, "That was the same guy! Holy shit, he's got range." He Former stand-up comedian. He's a very good actor. It, oh yeah. It's funny that you brought up Nick Cage because when you brought up this question, I was leaning towards him. I still think you're right about Michael Keaton. Matt being better in expressiveness, but I just kept on going back to face off when they really let him off the leash, how much Nick Cage is able to express in that movie. <laughs> the only thing that I think Nick Cage could beat Michael Keaton in is just 
embracing the silliness of whatever <laughs> movie he's in, and Nick Cage mm-hmm. makes it a Nick Cage movie. <laughs> Michael sure. Keaton sometimes, like with his his sillier movies, like Multiplicity, feels kind of apprehensive to get really weird with it. Nick Cage, I, he, he gets pretty wild. Yeah. With he does, <laughs> but like, he, if, can you imagine if Nick Cage was was Doug? I oh, maybe. it would have been. It would have been off the charts. Um, I do. I don't know if you guys know this. They did make a multiplicity um, reimagining with Nicolas Cage. It's called Adaptation. Really? What? I'm joking. Oh, <laughs> oh, Lord. oh. I, I mean, in the movie Adaptation, he plays twin brothers. So, Man, you if, if you've never seen, so turn my world upside if you, down. <laughs> if you've never seen Adaptation, it's one of the better movies of all time. That's high praise. Do I, they have that on the back of the box? Uh, they should. It's a Charlie Kaufman project, and I feel like anything Charlie Kaufman makes is uh, like Eternal Sunshine and being John Malkovich. Like anything he makes is yeah, worth watching. Yeah. You want to take a break and play a game? Yeah, you guys, you guys want to jump to the game here real quick? Yeah, I'm so sorry. Real quick. Um, let's see. Can I get the. I'm going to do the 65 day dry aged um, Kansas City Tomahawk. Um, can I get a side of potatoes uh, baked, um, butter, sour cream? And uh, do you have Dr. Pepper? I'll take a Dr. Pepper. Thank you so much. Do you guys want anything? Uh, we're broke right now. Yeah. Oh, we just come here for the ambiance. The salad's great. Oh, yeah. Um, get these guys some. Uh, go to Wong John Silver's and grab them some hush puppies, please. Thank you so much. Bless you, Adel. Bless you. <laughs> All right, Sam. Explain this game to us. So, this game is called Ponderosa or Pondernosa. It's time to play Ponderosa or Pondernosa. I have before me a selection of real reviews of Ponderosa Steakhouses from across the country. Uh, these are from some of these are more recent, some of these are older, but they are from all of the Ponderosas I could find on Google. And uh, in each round, we're gonna have three reviews, two of which are real, one of which I have made up. And you guys' goal is to discuss and try to figure out which of these Ponderosa Steakhouse reviews uh, was made up by me. So two truths and a lie. Yes. Love this. Uh, Sam, can I ask, are these sourced from like Yelp or TripAdvisor or what's the um, source? Uh, these are all just Google reviews. Oh, okay. Okay. So our first one here, uh, Nigel says, it is Ponderosa. It is the Dane Cook of restaurants. Unless you are the product of close marriages, pick another restaurant. <laughs> okay. Immediately. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Immediately. I'm going to call bullshit on that one. No, <laughs> no that. man... No man named Nigel has ever stepped foot in a Ponderosa. I'm sorry. If your name is Nigel, you are not eating at Ponderosa. Yeah, I'm definitely I'm, I'm definitely with Adel because the second you said Dane Cook, I'm like, this can't be a Google <laughs> review. Oh, okay, but continue. Here's the other two first. Police came in. Oh, sorry, this is by Luca. Police came in while we were eating and arrested the owner for money laundering. The staff were courteous and let us finish our meals. The food is better than expected, and I love the salad bar. <laughs> that sounds too bizarre to be made up. That's got to be real. That's got to be real. I refuse to believe you actually sat down and made that up. It, this one is by Kay. We drive 45 minutes just to come here. The food on the buffet isn't overly seasoned, and it's really nice because I like my food more bland, and it gives way to let my family season it how they want. Order any of the steaks. They are fantastic. That's real. The first Every one. steak. I, I, yeah, I think Dane Cook. I think we're gonna go with Dane Cook. Is the consensus here? Adel? Uh, I, th- I yeah, I think Nigel and Dane Cook. I think is the fake one. Believe it or not, that was real. You are no. Fucking- oh. I made up the one about the police coming in. <laughs> oh, damn it. oh. 
Okay, now so, we know what kind of business you're yeah, in. So now that we've done the first round, I can tell you guys that uh, I actually had to go through and rewrite all my fake reviews because they were too believable. I had to make them more absurd to fit That's in with the same reviews of Ponderosa. Sam, I need you to oh. look me in the eyes and tell me that Dane Cook review was not fabricated. Hand over heart. That was a real review of Ponderosa that I found on Google. And we're just, I just can't, That's round I, one. I just can't imagine like a guy coming back and being like, Oh, Brother Nigel, you were on holiday in the States. Where did you perchance uh, trot off to? Oh, dear brother, I went to Ponderosa and I uh, suffered through the steak and salad bar. Like, Nigel, there's no way in hell. I think I think here's what happened. I think that guy who wrote that review, if it's real, and I still don't believe it is, I think he was using a nom de plume to protect his identity because he's going back to that Ponderosa. Okay, Jeb. <laughs> yeah, it's me, Nigel. I went... I done went to Dane Cook, and let me tell you, I, that's the most I've been bad disappointed since I went to Ponderosa. <laughs> Seen that there, Dane Cook. One more. Let, let's let's try it. Let's try again, man. All right, round two. Cashier coughed into her hand through her mask and then gave me my change. Other than that, service was good. Uh, that was by Mark. Then we have Ruby. Drove an hour to eat here, but it was permanently closed. I had to take my elderly parents and three upset kids to the Panda Express next door. Please update Google. <laughs> Say this is closed. Thank you. And finally, Peter says, just not what I expected. Not all caps. Mm. Okay. Wow. One and two feel so real, especially during this last year, because the, the specificity of the mask and like a business being closed down. Um, I'm going to say three. I'm going to say you got... I, I'm gonna say writing the first fake one took it all out of you, and for the second fake one, you you were like you phoned it in, and you're like I can't spend too much time on this. So I'm gonna say three is the fake one. Adam, you know what? I'm I'm kind of tempted to agree to say to say three is the fake one. I'm gonna differ and say one. Three was the fake one. Oh, oh man, I don't know if anyone's. Woo! Keeping, I'm keeping Adam, score. It's Adam and Adam tied for one. <laughs> yeah. All right, round three. Chuck says, "Who don't love this place?" <laughs> Oh, Chuck. Chuck. <laughs> Thank you, Chuck. Chuck's, Chuck's the number four for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Betty says, food was not good, only fish. Ranch dressing and anything with mayo was tainted. Should never put mayo in product, should never put mayo products in metal pan and use metal spoons and never store these items in the refrigerator in metal. Got diarrhea in my sister too before we even left. And Cheryl, who says, my kids like the chicken and the salad bar is nice, but we all got food poisoning. Three stars because it might not have been the Ponderosa. <laughs> all right, all right. That, that one's pretty clear. Wow, what a what an altruistic person to be like. I you know the, I I almost died from this food, but to be fair, it, it might, might not have been them. So I don't want to ruin their reputation. I like um, I like that one. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Adol. No, I no, no. You because they gave it three stars in spite in spite of the food poisoning, which suggests they were going to give it five stars initially. Because the Ponderosa, just the creme de la creme. Or they were going to give it one star, but the fact that it might not have been the Ponderosa, they had to pump it up a little. Yeah, an apology to her. Um, I'm going to say, I feel like I feel like number two I'm a little suspicious about, just because no one wants, no one at their keyboard wants to write, I had diarrhea in my sister too. Um, so that, that's, and, and I think that was the one that said all they had was fish, and I feel like... For those reasons, it's a little fishy. I think that's. I think you. I think you knew it was a little fishy, and so you write. You wrote. You subconsciously wrote the word fish. Adam, you know, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stay with Adel on this one. I'm gonna say two is kind of sus. I'm gonna say number one. 
This one, number three, was the fake one. Oh, are you wow! He made up the diarrhea story. No, the uh, the diarrhea was real. No, he made up the three stars because the food like, Oh, that's what. <laughs> God damn! I should I should have gone with that one. Oh, this one I'm not sure which order to read these in because they're all oh, they're all pretty good here. <clears throat> Taffany says the usual ponderosa ran out of the only good thing on the buffet, chicken, and it's always undercooked. Yuck! Don't know why I continue to tor torture myself going to this chain. Camden F says steak. <laughs> <laughs> Scott says good food, nice staff, but found out they had a Hep A outbreak. <laughs> um, here's here's I'm I'm mixing up my strategy. I'm gonna say I think number one is is false because, and here's my reasoning, Your Honor. I feel like Sam is a very funny person, and I feel like the term Ponda Grossa is one of the better puns I've ever heard. So I'm going to put my faith in Sam and say only a comedic talent could come up with that and not someone who eats a panorosa. I'm going to say just the one that was simply steak. I'm going to have to go with my brother and say steak. Yeah, I wrote steak. Thanks oh for the yeah, credit. Oh, <laughs> no. I just wrote steak. <laughs> <laughs> Ponda Grossa. If you're out there and you wrote Ponda Grossa, I have a job for you. <laughs> Taffney Please she put her last name on there too. Yeah, I do want to point out too the, the person that got diarrhea there did also put their last name on it. Oh man, I might have to blur out the, the name, but it's all right. Blur out the name on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I love that everyone in the restaurant is now watching us and playing along, and that yeah. the wait staff is glaring at us. Yeah, but the customers are clapping. They seem to be enjoying themselves. <laughs> I did, I'm not telling them which reviews are of this location, but if you're wondering, it's the diarrhea one. Oh, did you guys get the chicken? No, no, we couldn't afford the chicken. Alex says, cute waitress. She told me to enjoy my food, and I said, you too. I can't ever go back. Millie said, one star. I thought it would be like Outback, but it was more like Outhouse. <laughs> and you Julie go, said, Millie. lots to choose from the buffet if you're looking for an instant cardiac arrest. Would have been nice if all the food was labeled so you know what killed you. <laughs> Only giving this Ponderosa two stars because the staff worked hard and were courteous. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say number one is fake because number two has another amazing joke. Uh, instead of Outback, more like Outhouse. Uh, we've discovered that Sam does not want to, um, he's not He's not taking credit for his funniness, so we're, we're going to assume he didn't write that joke. Yeah, um, and I think I think number one reads more like a Craigslist mi misconnection than a <laughs> restaurant review. Um, so I'm going to go with number one being fake. Hey, Alex was just lonely. I'm, I'm going to say number one too because... I guarantee that that's something that you you just broke down. That just has you all over it. I'm going to say number two for the opposite reasoning of Adel, where he said that uh, it seems like you're being a bit reserved here. I think that you were just saving your juice for this one. Mm. Save your juice, Drew would be correct in this round because yes. I did write the outhouse one. No. Alex's misconnection, rest we're, in peace. We're all three-way tied. That was uh, fucking pointless. I think we need yeah. the bonus round. One, one bonus round. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I think it's too cold. Ryan says, it tasted like hospital cafeteria food reheated in a dirty microwave. Gilbert says, this is easily my favorite restaurant hands down. I go every weekend with my family, and we always get the Bloomin' Onion to start off. <laughs> the steak is always cooked exactly how you asked for it, and the quality is great for the price. Every other Outback location I've visited has been just as good, too. <laughs> And Angel says, bad odor to the place. I couldn't eat. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with two. I think, you, I think Sam, you wrote that Outback Outhouse joke, and you were so pleased with yourself that you're like, 
let's let's continue to tap into this vein. I'm gonna say number one. Number one, all the way, man. As the real one? As the fake one. Oh, there's oh wait, two th- fakes. This, yeah, this one. There's only one real one. Two oh. Oh. Okay. oh whoop- yeah. Yes. Whoopsie! I missed that. So okay. we have to find out the real one. I um, completely missed mentioning it as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay, right. so we have to pick the real one. Uh, you want to yes. go back, Adel? So we had Dirty Microwave, we had Outback mis- Mistake, and then we had the um, bad. Bad, odor. bad Odor. I'm going to say, I think, I think um, cooked in a dirty microwave. A, instead of just microwave, a dirty microwave is such a specificity that only that only comes out during Rage, where you <laughs> add on those adjectives. Where you're like, it tastes like it was cooked in a microwave, and you're like, back, 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 dirty microwave. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna say that was written out of pure anger. So that one feels that that has the tinge of realness to me. I I I really want to say three. I really <laughs> I truly you want it believe. to be real. I want it to be real. All right, I'm gonna go with two. So that way we have a definite winner from this round. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> the real one is Angel. Bad odor to the place. I couldn't eat. Adam wins. Uh, I wanted to know. We've uh, throughout this season commented a bit about how uh, how almost perfect of a boomer Michael Keaton portrays <laughs> in this movie. Yes. Oh yeah. I don't want to spend time with my wife and kids. I'm gonna yeah. get a clone so I can spend time with them, but then I'm not gonna spend time with them and in his constant rage and how sweaty he is. <laughs> And so I just wanted to uh, ask if we could possibly design a better boomer character than him. No. Mm-hmm. Do you think, just that, any, do you think it's possible? Just any characteristics that might jump out. Um, yeah, what's he missing? He's missing a Corvette. He miss- Ooh, a Corvette. He's missing a Corvette, although we do see one at the end um, that might have been his that he gives to the clones, right? Oh, he did it. Yeah, it does have an old convertible, so I guess that I can check that off. Oh, yeah, I guess I don't know if it's a Corvette, but it was some sort of nice classic convertible. Um, I say. Ah, uh, yeah. I didn't hear any Led Zeppelin in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, possibly toss a MAGA hat on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you imagine a um, remake of Multiplicity? No. <laughs> yeah, can you just imagine, like, having scenes where they're fighting in the kitchen, your Fox News playing on in the background? <laughs> Tucker Carlson yeah. telling you to call the <laughs> masks on. <laughs> oh. um, I feel like maybe a nice little addition to make him even more of a boomer is like if he had grabbed one of his kids really hard underneath their armpit, kind of. <laughs> like I feel like I've seen a lot of boomers like where they grab their kid underneath their arm to like carry them away in like a re- re- weird aggressive way. Um, although he does really, Eugene Levy, I think, I think this is one of the better Eugene Levy roles because he's so subdued. Like typically he's zany, and I feel like in this movie he's fairly subdued as that weird, uh, weird concrete guy. But I feel like he gets pretty violent with Eugene Levy, where he throws him in his car and throws it in reverse. <laughs> yes. Um, which is a pretty boomer move to like road rage when you're not even in your car to have road rage is a uh, pretty boomer, pretty boomerish. Speaking of Eugene Levy and uh, Michael Keaton, we got something to ask you that we discussed in our first episode. Who has better? Oh yeah. Oh yes. Because Michael Keaton has more articulation, but Eugene Levy's got such more presence. There's there's so much thickness. Yeah. Caterpillars on his head. Oh my god. He's got that arch. I 
Yeah, I have to go. I got to go with Michael Keaton for a few reasons. One, his eyebrows somewhat mimic mine. Like, I feel like my eyebrows are pointed in such a way that people always think I'm mad. Like, people will be like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, this is just how my face looks. Um, so I have to go with him because I, re I relate to his arch, his aggressively arched eyebrows. Uh, and then two, I think one of the best eyebrow moments in cinema history is when he's Batman. Like when you can see his eyebrows in, in Batman, like when I think there's like a shot where the camera's underneath Bruce Wayne's face with like a light on him and the eyebrows are just so glorified there on the big screen. I feel like that is that was that was a huge moment in eyebrow history. Eugene <laughs> Levy, to be fair, those caterpillars are yumtastic like the, the that's that's a great set of brows and his children have great brows too dan levy and uh, and his sister yeah so um second second place of all time for sure but michael keaton takes the cake all right see that's fair we it, it was good to get an objective opinion i also mm -hmm. have a question Can, uh, yeah well someone that uh it does improv as a career uh what would you what would you say about some of the, the we there are some of the improv scenes that we felt were uh a bit they should have cut okay far earlier particularly the scene with uh two in bed the very uncomfortable mm. or three, oh, three in bed, bed. The, yeah. the, the very uncomfortable scene when when the clones are busy running a train on uh, on laura <laughs> hey, hey, I, I don't know how we missed this joke but we should have called laura handy mcdowell in that scene <laughs> <laughs> that stupid. I'm, that, cutting, I'm, I'm cutting that out that scene goes on for so long just mm -hmm. constantly saying like, oh, I have a cold. Oh, no. Cough, cough. Oh, you better get away from me. I have a cold. Oh. Was that something that you also noticed at, at points? Or, or have I just seen this movie 15 times, perhaps? <laughs> Did I notice the scene in which his clone gets a hand job? Absolutely. What, what, is, what, was, what was the question besides that I notice it? Uh, the, 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 there's some, some, I feel like some of the improv in the movie, he starts to flounder a little bit. Like there's some bits that they should have cut far sooner than they cut. They just oh, gotcha. Um, yeah, I guess I did. Do we know, is a lot of it improvised? I'd be surprised if that scene where he talked, where he's getting in the clone machine and he talks about Jeff Goldblum and the fly and oh, was, but that the suction machine stuck in his throats. Yeah, I'd be that was scripted. That 100% felt improvised, but I couldn't tell that the bedroom scene moment felt a little more scripted. Um, yeah, I think that was, as an improviser who, who carries one 100th of the talent Michael Keaton has, um, I do think there were some <laughs> weird moments in that bedroom scene. Um, it didn't. It also didn't go where I thought it would because they they the way he plays it, and I don't want to make too many assumptions, but it's a, it's a movie set in 1996, so I think I know what they were going for. Because it's a, it's pretty broad, because they're portraying him as if he's gay. So I thought that I thought they're gonna have her start to like jerk him off, and then she's like, uh oh, like failure to launch, like yeah, <laughs> like <yeah. laughs> Houston, we have a flaccid. So I thought that's what we're where they were going, but he's like thrilled. So he you know he he may also be you know bisexual or pansexual, but it just felt like for as lazy as the portrayal was, the bedroom scene seemed a little more complex or like not not leaning too heavily into like the broadness and the 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 um, punching down of it so i i I, th I thought it was just interesting yeah i do think that there was some there's some better choices to be made but that that scene specifically was was pretty interesting because it, it did not go where i thought it was gonna go <laughs> <laughs> all right i think we got time for one final topic before we we're gonna have to part ways was there anything oh before before we get to the final topic can i introduce a topic yeah, by all means. That's what I was going to ask. 
Um, and I think I'm, I'm going to do it. And if you three also want to do it, feel free. But I thought to attempt, um, I'm going to give myself, I'm going to buy myself a few seconds here to think about it. <laughs> I'm going to attempt to give a, a very quick review um, of multiplicity leaning into the math of it. Okay. A movie review by Adel Refine. Multiplicity is a movie sure to cause division. In summation, the one addition it could have used was the subtraction of number four. <laughs> it's beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> Sorry, that's all I have. That's what they should put on the back of the box, except they're not too critical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should have taken out the fourth guy. He yeah. says that on the back of the box. <laughs> <laughs> except for this part uh, yeah they should they should go back and almost like they do with the um the old star wars where like they went back and cgi'd a lot of the, the practical puppets which made it worse i think they should go back and like cgi in like a dog where number four was just like put like a dog and it's it's just as funny if not wildly funnier like to see a dog eat spaghetti and to hear a dog say my pepe and it's the anime. And it, the that adds such an amazing new dimension to the sex scene. But oh, <laughs> oh. Ooh, a sex scene with Randy McDowell. Just supporting you, Adam. Just supporting you. Appreciate that. It is funny that Andy McDowell, out of all actresses in the 90s, has maybe the most like stoic face. Like she's a tremendous actor. Yeah. Um, but her face is so stoic. So I don't I I'm I'm curious if that was like a a purposeful move on the casting part to be like Michael Keaton's face goes a mile a minute. Like it's never not fluctuating. It's like a black hole, but it, and it feels like let's put him opposite of someone who has like the most calming stoic face that, that doesn't, doesn't do a ton. Yes. We we've discussed multiple times how well Andy McDowell balances out Michael Keaton in this movie and how she's, yeah. she manages to put on such like a believable, mom and wife energy in this movie she has the best like bemused stink eye i have ever seen in, in, in a few oh scenes. yeah especially where he's just floundering in the restaurant yeah oh absolutely so call it like a stink eye it, it looks more like a renee zellweger from b movie it's kind of got like that <laughs> i forgot in b movie that it was all animated except for one b just had renee zellweger's face <laughs> it is you brought up the restaurant scene it is fucking bonkers that clone number two and his date which i think is john cusack's sister um clone number two is almost out of the restaurant home free mm -hmm. then he turns around and sees one and flops around so much that he sits back down and orders dessert mm -hmm. like what that's like that's like if you were climbing over the wall to be like i'm almost out of prison if i just put my foot down on the other side i'm free and then a warden walks by and you panic and barf and fall and like run back into your prison cell. And it's like, you are out. Like, what are you doing? That scene is so unnecessary. <laughs> yes, it's clear they just wanted a shenanigans fest. And the one particular element of that scene that bothers me is as they're walking out, he shoves a bag on her face. <laughs> yeah. When yes. his is the face she's going to recognize. Or yeah, that, not if the end of, as, as we see in the end of the movie. That scene... That scene seemed like a like a Marx Brother move. Like there's a there's a part where Michael Keaton has his hand in someone's salad and they're like, oh, yes. my salad. And then he grabs it yeah. and like mixes it up and he goes, let me toss it for you. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like this is <laughs> this is clearly what happens. Like when you put when you put a comedian in a set and you just go have fun with it, that's what you get. So I feel like totally unnecessary scene. 
the one other thing I want to mention is is the amazing anticlimax in the movie where you have a clone movie where the entire tension of the whole movie is Michael Keaton trying to keep his wife from finding out that he has cloned himself several times. And the movie ends by her seeing the clones and just going, huh, all right. <laughs> what was no point? consequences. It, that was, that was yeah. absolutely fucking ridiculous. It didn't matter. They, none, she should have at least seen the clones. I was talking to Drew about this. There's also no reason for him not to tell her. Yeah. yeah. There's hey, also honey, no reason. So I don't have to go to work anymore. I can spend more time with you. <laughs> There's it, also no reason. If you're hiding three clones of yourself in the garage, give it. 20 minutes before you let them out of, of the driveway like he lets them go 45 seconds after his wife and kids leave and it's like give it a little bit more time just a smidge <laughs> let it breathe i appreciate you saying that because uh some of us who may hypothetically have three clones hiding in their garage that that might be a life-saving tip oh yeah oh uh, i clones hiding in your garage email us at edgingpodcast at gmail.com <laughs> <laughs> yeah or if you i think they found a bunch of clones under john wayne gacy's floorboards Oh. Um, sorry. Um, the what I, end of the movie. Here, here's one. <laughs> here's one quick question, and I'm sorry to keep dragging this. Um, I, I think you guys are trying to end it, but I keep dragging it on. Um, one thing I thought about while watching this was because each clone was like a hyper-specific element of your like personality or it or whatever that is. Um, if you were to have like two or three clones, is there a part of your personality that you'd want? Like to me. I would love if there was like my almost like almost like his number two, someone who's like a little bit more like aggressive and like aggro. Like it would be great because I get like harassed a lot where people are just like, I don't like your face. And I'm like, I am so sorry. Like, I, I don't want to fight you. I, I cannot fight. So I would love if there's a part where I'm like, if someone attacks me at a bar like this clone could just like take care of it or at least get his ass whipped for me. Um, so I think that would be great. And then I feel like. I feel like one that would just like be creative, like one who would just like write for me or like <laughs> or read, like or just like I don't know, who would just like take on the creative brunt. I mean, I would still want to do some creative work myself, obviously, but it just feels sometimes like a Sisyphean task. So I feel like maybe one to just I, I don't know if you could ever reabsorb a clone, but it'd be great to just like be like you sit in this room and you're gonna read for forty years, and then I'm gonna reabsorb you <laughs> and have all your knowledge. Uh, might be nice. Did, did you guys think of anything where it's like you want a specific part of your personality in uh, clone form? I think I definitely uh, have Doug's first idea, which is have a clone that's a little more dedicated. Say, you go out and make the money. I'll sit back and write and and draw and try to, you know, start our artistic career or something like that. Oh, yeah. I, unfortunately, I think I'd make the exact same mistake as Michael Keaton. Just have have, have the second clone be, all right, you're going to work for me. Please, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> make the hard money. <laughs> I have fun. Oh, yeah. I would just want my clone to not be circumcised, just just so I can see how it looks. <laughs> <laughs> just so I can see how I like it. Yeah. Compar comparison is the thief of joy. Um, <laughs> I, I think also one to just do taxes would be smart. That would be um, Thank you guys for indulging me. On behalf of all of us, thank you so much for joining us, Adel. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, good. thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I. I'm glad that Perkins was closed, and I'm glad I stumbled in here. Do you guys mind? I'm going to take this stake to go. Do you guys mind picking up the tab? Uh, yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. We have a we have a gift certificate. Um, so, oh, good, good, good. Yeah, no, we, we were going to dine a dash. I'll just scribble out the expiration date on that coupon, and we'll see if they can. Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll go for it. It's all right. 
All well, right. the, the gift the gift card's written on an etch sketch, so you should be fine. Um, I'm trying to swipe it through it, the machine. <laughs> we just got to shake out that one little corner that has the expiration date, and we'll be fine. Yeah, I'll start yeah. from scratch. Mm-hmm. 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 All right, Sam, you want to do our official exit? What is our official exit? Do we have an official exit? Oh, it is fish night. It is fish night. That's the hepatitis A fish. Just get the scallops. You'll be good. All right. Mm. Well, All right. Thanks again, Adel, and yeah. happy trails, Thank man. Thank you. Happy trails. Wow, I didn't know I was sitting with a fucking cowboy. <laughs> oh, really? Now you don't get any plugs. We were going to do you the honor of having No, you wait, wait. Hold on one second, partner. Yeehaw. Let me, rustle, let me rustle up some uh, plugs over here. Get along, little doggies, and listen to my podcasts. Uh, hello from the Magic Tavern, and hey, Riddle Riddle. Sit down by the campfire with your your other cow folk and and uh brand yourself with hilarity <laughs> yep, uh, two great podcasts really do check them out yeah and in the meanwhile i've been drew i've been sam and i've been adam and catch us next season for season three of the edging podcast where we have a special guest where we discuss no a secret movie you'll have to find out then edging on That was Edging on Multiplicity, a podcast where three brainless clones discuss multiplicity ten minutes at a time. You can email us at edgingpodcast at gmail.com. Edging on is a podcast by Sam featuring Adam and Drew. Music is done by Sam and edited by Adam.